This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. My guest today is a guy I've known for a long time. We, we grew up together. He's a couple years separate in class, but we played baseball together, grew up at the same high school, done many loans together. He's, he's told me yes more than no, so I really like him. Please help me welcome uh, one of my favorite bankers, Nathan Freeze. Nathan, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Ferd. I appreciate you having me and excited to dive into the mobile home finance world with you today. Uh, Certainly had more fun playing baseball than doing deals, but uh, this isn't a bad alternative. So not too bad, not too bad. You, yeah, I like to say I was a good player, but I think Nathan is a little better. But it depends on the <laughs> depends on the day, I guess. We both had a pretty, we both had a pretty good run. Uh, had a lot of good deals together. Nathan's out of Quincy, Illinois, First Bankers Trust, commercial loan officer there, and I, I think you're vice president there as well. And um, I know that about you. Tell us a little bit more, Nathan, about how you got into banking, how you got into MHP. And then we'll talk more about what it's going to take to get get, get you some more loans and get some of uh, my friends and clients approved for loans with guys like you. Sure. Well, yeah, I've been in banking now for, for 16 years. Time flies when you're having fun. Uh, I got into banking, really. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. I graduated from, from college and, and had a job offer to be become a collector. So my first experience was repossessing cars. And uh, that gets old in a hurry. It's not a fun job. You're always seeing people on the worst day. So uh, uh, quickly moved into the, the uh, automobile financing and then have shifted into commercial lending now for uh, close to eight years. Um, really, my first, my first dabbling in the mobile home park communities was, was through you. Um, we've done several deals together now, and, and uh, now at First Bankers, I'm known as the mobile home park guy. So any, any deal that comes through that has something to do with the park, I, I get to put my stamp on it and see you know, what it looks like and, and make sure we're doing things the way we want to do them. Hey, that's great. Glad that I could be the corrupting influence in bringing you into mobile home parks. You know, you've, you've met my mom and I think she was a, a little disappointed and shocked when I told her I was going to quit practicing law and become a trailer park owner. But uh, I think it's worked out okay. But uh, at first she was like, you're going to do what, you know, but it's been good to work on deals together. So I know, I know a decent amount about you and your bank and, and what it takes to get a yes, but, um, and what it takes to get a no, because you, you know, I get the occasional no, if I'm, if I'm too greedy on my ask, um, you don't like those zero down non-recourse loans as much as I would like to convince you, but, uh, <laughs> tell us what, tell us, give us some advice for a, a new borrower. I mean, first time borrowing and then a seasoned operator, what it takes to get an approval from a loan committee. Cause as I, as I told you previously, and for our audience, I'm doing a multi-part series here on, bank approvals and lending and you're in the more local bank regional bank brand and that's different than obviously a 10 million and up agency lender um, that wants a different kind of borrower a different kind of a different kind of asset so uh, maybe give us some tips and tricks on there that we can uh, all learn from sure so as you mentioned cash down is is always a, a king for for these type of deals and really any financing uh, you'll find that i'm sure at most regional type banks 
Um, and that's always a good rule of thumb anyway. You should always have something invested in, in you know, your project that you're looking at, uh, regardless of the financing that you're looking for. Um, really, when, when I review a, a request for a mobile home park, I, I really want to, we treat it more as an operating company than a, than a real estate loan. So it's not, it is secured you know, mostly by a mortgage and assignment of rents, those types of things. But it's really a, an operating company. You know, you're you're collecting rents, you're dealing with collection issues, uh, making sure you're taking care of the maintenance of the park, um, those types of things. So when I'm reviewing a loan request, I want to see, you know, what what experience does the the principal have? Um, how how can they deliver timely and accurate financials? That's a huge deal. You know, when we get into something like this, if if it starts going sideways, it can go sideways in a hurry, as you would well know. So it's really reviewing a due diligence packet and, and having the trust in the principal borrower that they're doing their due diligence to make sure they know and they understand what they're getting into. They've identified their sources and uses of cash. That's a huge deal too. Um, you know, there's, those can be cash intensive assets. Do they need road maintenance? What kind of sewer system does it have? Um, how many park owned homes? What are they doing with that? Um, really looking and diving into those numbers and, and Ferb, you do a great job of providing probably more details than I even need, which I would rather have than, than not enough, uh, because then I can really grasp, do they understand what they're getting themselves into? And do I feel like they're going to be able to provide me with the details and the information that I need in a timely manner? Makes sense. So basically providing detailed, detailed information, improving, you've got the wherewithal, you know, intellectually, operationally, and, and, and financially to pull off this kind of deal. Right? Absolutely. And, and location is a huge deal too. You know, if, if you have the infrastructure within your own company to handle a, a park that's two, three hours away from you, does it need to be something that's 15, 20 minutes away from you? You know, all of that plays into each deal. Um, the more experience someone has and the proven track record on, a, on a, a series of mobile home parks, obviously a little further away may not be so bad, but if you're just getting started, you need to be able to be there when you need to be there and keep an eye on things for sure. No, I agree. That makes sense. I see a lot of guys buying stuff for their first deal halfway across the country and some people can pull it off. I see guys doing it. It works. I see some guys doing it. And I'm, I'm nervous for them. Uh, for us, we started in Quincy, right? That's where dad lived. I was in college, but um, or just out of college, but um, it was kind of in our own backyard, right? It seems to take some of the risk away. And I know for, for you and for your bank's footprint, how far away, what does that footprint look like? I mean, would you, you know, if it, will you go four hours from your base? Will you go eight? Will, will you do it for somebody's first deal? Um, at this point, you know, you've done some deals for me that are, you know, further than that away um, or, or you know, bigger, bigger realm. But I, I think if it was my first deal. You'd probably not want to be, you know, four or five hours away, things like that. Right, right. It, it does matter, you know, the, the length of time that we know the borrower and, and obviously we've gotten to know each other well and, and how you operate. Um, I guess the, the simple question or simple answer to your question would be in Quincy, we're kind of on that little bump in Illinois, right by Missouri. Iowa's just about 45 minutes up the road. So we'll look at anything geographically, Illinois, Missouri, and, and Iowa. Uh, that's not to say for, for someone that we've got a lot of experience with, um, a high level of, of trust and, and everything is working as it should, that we couldn't look at an outlier but that would probably be the exception rather than the norm. Um, you know, if, if I can get to it within a few hours, um, I, that, that makes it easier for me to, to lay my eyes on the asset because I want to see it too and, and know what I'm loaning on. Uh, really that Illinois, Missouri and Iowa region is, is where our focus would be. Yeah, it's one thing I've, I've, I've appreciated, found interesting that you do that some bankers don't is 
you go look at the asset. Sometimes you tell me to meet you there. Sometimes you just say, oh, I looked at it yesterday and you're, you're out there driving around making sure that it's real. And you probably got horror stories. I've, I've heard other horror stories of bankers that don't do that. And it's like, it was an empty building. It wasn't full of tenants or you know, things like that. Sure. And that's, I mean, not even just for this asset class, it's always good to understand what you're loaning money on and, and, you know, see, actually see the asset. I mean, the last thing I want to do is we have to, we have to foreclose or, or take action on the note and I show up and it's the first time I've seen it. And I, I have no clue what I'm getting into. Um, now I certainly am not claiming to be any kind of mobile home park aficionado. I mean, I drive through them and I probably don't see them the way that an investor like yourself would see them, but I still think it's important to walk the dirt, see, uh, see what I'm loaning on. Make, make make sense for sure. Um, tell me about the borrower. What's it? What does it take? Is there a general rule of thumb from a liquidity standpoint, or a net worth, or a credit score? I realize this is different than buying a single family house. It's going to be collateralized. But how much does credit? You know, if I got bad credit, am I out of luck? If I if I'm new in this industry, change a career, change a life path, do am I out of am I out of luck? Am I okay? And then. Maybe tell us a little bit more about the loan committee and loan approval process, because you, you, know, you don't own the bank, right? So you don't have the, you can't, you can't immediately give yes. There's a process. So I know that part of my job is to give you information so that you can articulate the business plan and the project to people higher up at the bank to help, which is for our mutual interest to get the loan approved. So tell us a little more about those two areas, the borrower and then the approval process. Sure. So every deal is different. That's one of the things I, I enjoy about my job. Um, you know, you're, you may be buying a park that's 98% occupied and it's ticking along. Everything's clean. There might be a few tweaks you can make. Um, you know, there's not going to be large CapEx issues that you've got to deal with day one. Uh, or you could be buying a, a park that's distressed and, and rents are, are below market because the park hasn't been taken care of. You have some vacancy issues. Those two assets are entirely different. So from a, from a CapEx standpoint, number one, understanding where's the cash going to come from if, if you need to you know, infuse some of that into the park is important. From a credit standpoint, um, we don't, it's always tough. I, I get questioned a lot about credit scores and we do use uh, credit reporting, obviously. I can't say you got to be at a 680 or I can't do anything for you. Um, you know, anything above 700 as a general rule would be what we'd be looking for. But to say, if that's below that, I don't, can't do it kind of a thing. It's just not how it works. Uh, a lot of things go into those credit scores, the way they, they calculate those. Uh, but just really taking a full picture at a, at a financial statement, um, what kind of debts does the borrower have? Where's their source of income coming from? Do they have outside, um, you know, another job that, that, is, that is supplementing their income or is this their sole deal? Um, you know, we really dig into that and see where, if something goes wrong, can they survive a bump in the road uh, kind of a thing? So, so credit is important. I mean, if, if, if credit is really poor, I probably don't have much avenue to get support from a, from a loan committee side. Um, kind of shifting into the approval process, it, it really varies um, here, at least at the bank that I work at, the size of the relationship. So if it's your first deal, if it's under a certain amount of dollars, I, you know, it's, it's rest with me and I can review it and, and either say yes or no. The larger deals or, or the, the more uh, complicated relationships we get the, as you borrow more, you have five or six deals going, uh, the structure then would be that I, I would underwrite it. Um, and, and if I feel there's merit to the deal, then I would take it and present it uh, to a committee structure. Um, that committee then would would uh, review, take my recommendation or not take my recommendation if they see it differently. 
certainly can ask me questions um, and vet out, you know, what, what it is I'm requesting. Um, you know, is there certain covenants or, or other items that we need to address? Uh, and then if I get my approval, then I either move forward, depending on the size, again, up the, up the food chain there to another committee, or I have my approval and I'm ready to go. So all told, start to finish, if I get a full packet of information on a park, I have the, the borrower guarantors information, I can usually have it reviewed and something turned around within a week. Um, <laughs> and then from there, into the appraisals and title works and all that kind of a thing. I, la I laugh because because people are going to not believe you when you say a week, but I can vouch because some banks take, oh, I just did that deal with Fannie Mae. It took 90 plus days. I mean, it's just like 90 days. And that was a more complicated process. But I was telling a couple of guys right here and we turned in the loan for, I think, our St. Charles deal. And I gave it to you on a Friday and I had, I had approval on Tuesday. They're like, what? It took three days to get approval or four days? Like, yeah. These guys are fast. So uh, I appreciate that. It really helps with due diligence, take some of the uncertainty out of it. And then it also allows me to be more aggressive on timelines on due diligence because I know I can get a loan approval quickly. Obviously, the you know, it's hard to get a surveyor to go fast. It's, it's often hard to get an appraiser to go fast. A phase one guy is really good. He usually takes like 10 days. So it's uh, getting a loan committee going is, is, is super important. So and that's, I will say, not maybe not the, the, the norm. I mean, certainly I try to move as quickly as I can because I don't want to jam you up, but it, it all depends on, on what's going on too and workload. And, and I don't want to warrant that I can turn things in four <laughs> days all the time. No, I know. But that is also one of the uh, advantages of working at a, at a regional bank like that. You know, our, our board is very engaged. If I need to get something to a board loan committee level, I can do that without having to wait, you know, for their regularly scheduled meeting. Um, they're, they're very easy to reach and attainable to me if I need them. Um, and that's, that's actually one of the things I enjoy working at, at a, at a regional bank. And we're, anyway, I say regional bank, we're about one, I think we're about $1.2 billion bank, um, right in that area right now. And, um, I, you know, it, it's just, I like being able to go up and walk and walk in and talk to the president if I need to, and, and, and get approvals quicker, quicker than you can when you get stuck into more uh, of a bigger bank and, and hierarchy. They certainly have their place because they can do things that I can't do. Uh, but that is one of the things I truly enjoy working at a, at a bank of this size. No, it's great. It's, I think it's, I was, you know, I'm not saying this to blow smoke, but I was telling somebody recently, you know, people like, who do you value? Who do you value more? Your, you know, your employees, your, your tenants or your equity guys. I was like, how about my bankers? You know, like you, the debt guys are more important than the equity guys because there's not as many, Debt guys that can get deals done. There's a lot of rich guys that put equity in deals, but the debt is important, man. And customers are important too. And you know, I think the employees are obviously vital to the team's success. So I, uh, but I put I put bankers ahead of uh, uh, guys like you, especially ahead of equity guys. And hopefully none of my equity investors are listening, but I would tell <laughs> them to their face. But uh, it's definitely important. So tell me, tell me also one thing. I would, I know we've had to address over the years is. Sometimes there's additional loan covenants or loan provisions that sometimes are good for me, sometimes are bad for me, but, but sometimes they're just, they're reasonable. Thing, what do we need? What, what, I, what can I do to get a, a close loan over the hump? For example, additional guarantee, another person guarantee, you know, life insurance, other covenants, reporting requirements, you know, uh, and so on. How does that typically work? How does that go through the committee process and the review of the borrower? Because you mentioned, for example, 680 credit score, that, that's pretty high. I think I know we got a lot of listeners that are like, I can't, I don't know, I'm at 500. 
is the guy with 500 toast or can the guy with 500 credit score get over the hump if grandma left him a million bucks or if he's also a doctor with a $200,000 salary or if his spouse is or he's got a, his dad will co-sign. Uh, what are those items help us to uh, turn a maybe? Because I, I, as you know, and as I joke sometimes, bankers are trained to say no, right? Underwriters especially, no, no. So as as the borrower, you know, I'm in the business of borrowing money. You're in the business of lending it. Let's get together. I try to sell you to lend it. How do, how do I convince you when, you're, when your gut is no? Because uh, I know it's not an absolute. There's got to be some way to get you to flip your answer a little bit. Sure, sure. Well, and yeah, I, I certainly understand what you're saying. Bankers are, we don't get our reputation for, for nothing. <laughs> but yes, you, you are correct. There, there are uh, covenants. A lot of the ones that we'll typically look at, um, debt service coverage requirements, both specifically on the park and from a global standpoint. Um, if you've got multiple projects going or other sources of income, we'll, we'll look at both of those. Um, you know, the reporting is what I mentioned kind of a few minutes back on uh, on a financial reporting that's timely and, and accurate. That's a big deal uh, on these deals because there's so much going on. And if, and, and if, as I mentioned, if it starts going off the rails, it, it'll go in a hurry. We do like to keep tabs and, and you do a great job of, of, you know, you can do monthly, you can do quarterly, whatever, whatever makes sense with the specific asset we're dealing with. Um, and again, you're getting into, is it a park that's, that's running like clockwork or is it a, uh, you know, a vacancy situation where you're trying to improve things. It depends on, on how we would look at that. There, those type of things are what I will try to put in place before I would get to the committee. It's not unheard of for them to say, okay, I, I see what you're doing here. I think we should also add a, a B or C or, um, you know, something along those lines. You mentioned life insurance. Uh, you know, if, if there's one, if you're the one person that's making this thing go, is that something we need to, you know, how do we feel if you, if you're not here tomorrow, you know, how does that change the relationship? And as you get bigger, banks will, will ask for stuff like that because there's just more exposure there. And, and I'm certainly not an expert at operating mobile home park. So, you know, I want you to be there running things. Um, as far as credit scores go, I, I, I will say, you know, to your point, maybe it's never a, a never, you know, if I'm looking at something and I can't do it, it's, it's just maybe not right now kind of a thing. Credit scores are fluid. I mean, as you move through time, things can be cleaned up. Um, you know, I, I'm not certainly not saying you need to pay a company to help you do all that or settle or however they do all their magic to increase your scores. But if you just pay off any collections, uh, improve your, your pay history as you move forward on, on notes that report to the eight credit agencies, in a year, you could turn your score from a 500 to a 650, from a 650 to a 700. You know, you never know. So it's always, it's it's not usually a never. It's just a not right now. So I guess that would be how I'd answer that. If you have a, you know, something in the 500, it, it will be diff difficult to obtain some kind of financing, but there's always additional credit enhancements, if you will, that can be introduced or discussed to try to get over that hump. That makes sense. And I, I know... Um, from experience, the, the norm at the bank is about 25% down payment. I know um, my first deal with your bank, uh, you were at a different bank at the time, but uh, it was 695,000, it was zero down. So it was a great, it was a great loan for me. Um, you guys don't like doing those anymore. But um, if I've got that bruised credit and I get over the hump by getting my down payment up 30, 35, 40, 50, or is it, is, is that just, is it really, no, is it still not right now? Because I know banks, if you take property, you're going to take a haircut 
you know, yeah. at least 20%, probably more like 40. And MHP, perhaps even more because of the operational components. Sure, sure. And I, I don't have the expertise nor the time to try to give the attention to it that it would need. Um, with, with credit scores like that, if it's a, if it's a challenge with, a, with credit history, that probably needs to be cleaned up before I can move forward with a, with a larger down payment or some credit enhancement that would be able to get the deal to approval. Uh, but again, that's a, that's a fluid thing. I mean, it's not, it, it feels like, you know, everybody's in a hurry. You want to do it right now, which I understand if you have a great deal on the table and you, you want to, you want to get it done, it can be frustrating. Um, but that certainly the down payment can be something that can be worked with and, and may fluctuate based on your experience or what the deal again, is it a flip? Is it a, is it a stable park? Um, but credit needs to be at least in decent shape regardless. Fair enough. Um, what about recourse? I know almost all your loans are going to be recourse. You're going to say that they're all recourse. Um, is there a down payment threshold that helps me burn off some of that recourse or, or pro rata recourse? Is, or is that, and I know it's always case by case, but if, if somebody walks in and everything else checks the box and they get approval, they say, hey, I'd like to get rid of the recourse and I'm willing to go 40% down instead of 25, does that help? Does it get it done or does it take 50, 60, or does it take a hundred? So there's, there's not really a hard and fast rule on that as far as, as a, a, an equity standpoint for, um, I, I would never come out of the box and say, oh, well, I'll do this without recourse. Um, as you mentioned, 99% of the time that, I mean, it's not usually even a negotiating point We're we're just a recourse bank. And I think most people in our space most likely are certainly can't speak for them. Um, now is that to say, if you had a loan for, you know, 10 years, it's seasoned and everything's fine. You're like a 30% loan to value. Could you make that request? Absolutely. You could make the request. Um, it, it, that can be, you know, made at any time. And what keeps me honest is, is my competition because if somebody down the street's willing to do it and I'm not, well, then I just lost my 30% loan to value on a performing asset. So it, that's, I guess, the great equalizer is there's, there's sure a whole lot of me running around trying to get these deals as well. Um, but it's not, not something that if, if I received an application and I would just say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to do this deal and, and I'm not going to require recourse. I would almost never offer that. It can be something that the borrower brings to the table in a, in a, uh, a situation where they feel it's merited and we can certainly review it. And, and if we can get on the same page, great. Um, otherwise we'll try to you know, figure something else out. And what about, uh, what are the typical terms if I bring a loan in? I mean, or bring a deal in ammo interest rate. You know, I know we've talked about recourse, we've talked about down payment. What is, what does the rest of that equation look like? Sure. So typically we're on a five-year uh, rate lock. So fixed rate uh, and a maturity at five years, um, generally on a 20 year amortization. It depends again on the asset. If it's a real small park and you want to pay it off quicker, it could be less. Uh, but typically we're, we're looking at a, a five-year fixed rate and a, and a 20 year amortization. Now, all of that depends entirely on the on the interest rate environment. Um, you know, if, if if it makes more sense to do a three year rate lock because you can get a better rate, or you have, you know, there's been deals that we've worked on before, Ferd, where you said I'm not going to hold this for more than a year. Well, if I can get you a better rate on a one year fix than a five year fix, then your plan is to be rid of it in 12 months. There's no point in doing a five year rate. So that's another one of those discussions that has had. It depends on the goals of of the client. You know, what are, what are they trying to achieve here? Um, as far as what the rate would be, 
it's always a moving target. I mean, it's different with every deal. Certainly, again, with the competitive factors of, of other banks out there looking for business, uh, would keep you honest. But um, it, it really, if that's a hard one to answer. It just it depends on so many different things. Uh, but it, it should be a, a competitive rate. If you feel you're getting something that's not competitive, I, I certainly would encourage a, a, an applicant to look at multiple sources uh, to make sure they're getting a good deal. Oh, good tips. And just for our audience, too, I know with local banks and regional banks, it's considerably less likely to get interest only loans, and it's considerably less likely to get a 30-year amortization compared to, say, an agency lender or a CMBS lender. So there's pros and cons to every product type. Uh, your regional banks are probably you know, better with relationship, better with customer service in general, um, better timelines for approval. Um, different thresholds like minimum loans are going to be a little smaller with you than with uh, Fannie Mae's minimum loans a million bucks. They can, they can kind of get them to go down to 750, but by the time you put you know down payment in there, you're looking at a deal that's a million two, million two, two and a quarter. So I can't take, I can't take a $600,000 deal to them. I got to take $600,000 deal to a local bank. So um, you guys definitely serve a place in the marketplace. I know we've done loans much bigger than that with you too. So you guys can go up. Is What's the loan, what's the maximum loan size that um, banks like you and or, and or your bank will do on a particular project? So it's, each bank has its own legal lending limit that, that there's a calculation that, that's done in the finance department or somewhere above my pay grade. Um, but then we also have uh, an internal limit that's set by our board of directors. It's an aggregate limit. Uh, and that's not, I, sh I shouldn't say it's hard and fast. There's always exceptions to every rule, not the legal lending limit. That's a, you know, there is no, that is hard and fast, but on internal stuff. And even if, even if, you know, we need to do something where break, we bring in a partner bank, banks can participate with other banks to take care of something. So like for in your instance, if you, if you had a deal that you really had to get done and you needed me to help you, and I was bumping up against an internal limit and, and couldn't, couldn't convince the board to take the full deal. I have options to call uh, you know, a partner bank and we can sell some of the debt to them so that from your end, you're still dealing with me, but I've then moved some of the deal to them. We would still service it. It looks the same to you, but I'm, I'm able to keep my board you know, happy with, with the total amount of indebtedness we've got. So it's a, it ranges by bank. I mean, it just depends how much risk a, a board wants to take with one, uh, with one borrower. Um, and, and really, you know, we, we can look at, any deal you bring to us and either we'll just tell you straight off, this is too big for, for us or, or uh, we'll find a way to get it done. So always an avenue to get, to get a deal done if we, if we need to. No, great points. And um, you're my favorite banker. Um, but as I tell our audience here, it's, it's good to have more than one banking relationship for some of those limits because you run into the bank limit. Oops. Or sometimes um, a bank doesn't want to have, uh, more than one or two heavy lift projects at a time. I know a couple of years ago, I had, I think three at a time going that were all heavy lifts. It's like, you know, maybe one bank's like, I want one or two of those type and then let's do some stable. And then once you get a stable that's converted, now we can do some more heavy lift. So it's good to have, uh, good to have options, uh, not just for price competitive things like that, but good to have options just like, you know, you, you helped me out on one project where I had another bank that, that told me yes. And then I went to committee, they told me yes. And then, CEO vetoed it. I wasn't even aware the CEO could do that. He's like, I don't like that state. And I was, you know, left at alerts with 10 days till closing and no loan. 
So luckily that bank was worked out well and was, was nice and, and shared the appraisal with you guys, allowed you guys to act really quickly and get that deal you know, in committee approved and funded using the appraisals from the, uh, the prior bank that, that ended up vetoing it. So I was really happy that I had two good bank relationships and because of the way it worked out, I still am happy with both banks, right? And then, um, and now that loan has moved on to Fannie Mae. So there's a different place in the marketplace for different types of loan products and different types of um, just you know, relationships. But I appreciate everything you've done for us, Nathan. Appreciate you coming on here. Before we go, any other last tips or tricks? And, and if not, just where can people uh, find you or how do you want them to contact you if you want to give up your email or phone number? I, I, I don't recommend giving your cell phone out because you're going to get blown up probably. So maybe not but the best option. <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, I, I, I really appreciate you having me on and I hope I've provided you and, and anyone listening some kind of some valuable information. I will say I, going back all the way to the beginning, when, when you're going to make application with a bank and, and you think you have a lot of your due diligence done and you're providing a, a lot of information, a little bit extra won't hurt. I, I, we've worked together for long enough that you pretty much send me all the stuff that I'm going to do on my own. And it makes it so easy to have my fingertips to look through and see well, what assumptions are here. You know, how's he getting to here? You know, it's, it's when you think you have enough information, add a little bit more uh, because it, you can't possibly provide the bank uh, too much information. It just, it just helps. It just helps to the approval process. Um, you, I can be reached. I'll, I'll put my email out there. Um, it's at Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N dot freeze, F-R-E-S-E at first bankers. It's all spelled out in plural.com. All right. Thanks, Nathan. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, Ferd. Have a good rest of your day. You too. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.